Well, so uh, we're on episode two, as it were, of the... Uh, do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? I'm all in on Caribbean. That's, that's my, Caribbean. my preference. Okay. <laughs> so, so tonight we have been watching episode two of Pirates of the Caribbean. And, you know, when I was a younger person, when those movies came out, I thought they were yeah. some, some sort of like absolute uh, trash cash grab. But we have watched the first one. And uh, now we're watching the second one. And you know what? Those are pretty good movies. There, there's, there's, you know, you're not going to get a, a liberal arts degree watching them. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think there is. Maybe communications. There, yeah. I, I mean, there, there's something uh, vaguely interesting going on there. Now, uh, it just occurred to me, we're recording in the Twitch thing. Are you recording in Skype as well, too, Brandon? Because, as you know, my call recorder does not work. Are, are you recording? Uh, yeah, I'm recording. No, because I, oh, okay. okay, good. All right, I got a couple right, different right. things, but I just yeah, have to, okay, yeah, I got it. We'll have to we'll have to edit that out. But so so uh, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in that movie. There's different characters who move around uh, through different parts of it, and uh, of course, it's got Johnny Depp in it. And uh, I, the, I I missed the part the first time I watched it where uh, his first mate, this Gibbs guy, you know, Johnny Depp saw like it's almost like that movie defined what we think of of Johnny Depp as now, like just this odd well, creature going I mean, to the he, world he spends the whole the whole uh the whole movie like just doing his his imitation of uh uh what's his face from the rolling stones right um, uh yes keith richards that, that's all it is yeah keith it's just richards. A keith richards imita- impersonation for what five movies now yeah yeah well as as was explained by mr gibbs he had been deserted on a uh, desert island for a long time, which made him kind of funny in the head. Sure. Which, which, uh, sure. I mean, that, that explains the character. I guess, I guess I have never seen, uh, Keith Richards. Oh, oh, see, move around. The best part though, the best thing about his whole Pirates of the Caribbean persona Mm -hmm. is, you know, you're right. It kind of became his like public persona. Like people are like, Oh, well that must be what he's really like now. And then when, when he flew to Australia and brought his dogs and they flew in on a private jet and skipped quarantine and he got busted and had to make a public apology. He did it in the parts of the Caribbean voice. Oh, it's fantastic. Love it. <laughs> uh, that's uh, perfect. If you can find the audio for that, that, that is choice like meta meta. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, now, now what is the deal with people, uh, Americans want, and, and I, I'm not uh, like, uh, sort of like um, uh, highlighting you, Matt. I just feel like you might have some insight into this. What's the deal with all of these like famous Americans being into like New, like New Zealand and Australia? Why, is, is there some sort of like legal situation where like if you are a uh, former member of the Commonwealth, you get some sort of like paperwork reduction act yeah. that like makes things easier? Absolutely, yeah. Hmm. yeah. So all the Commonwealth countries kind of move to the front of the line when it comes to immigration and migration uh, our immigration um, so like Canadians there's a ton of there's a ton of Brits and a ton of Canadians in Australia um, mm. because you know it's warm here uh, except for right now because it's winter um, right but that's like that's like three weeks right <laughs> well when you live in a 60 year old house with no central heating um, yeah uh, but anyway, the, um, the, you know, so there are a lot of, of British folks and Canadians here, uh, they call them pr- prisoners of her majesty 
because you know they're allowed to move around within Commonwealth countries, but you know, they can't really go outside right. of the palms are, are what they call them. Um, and then I thought you were going to say like, what's the deal with so many celebrities going? You know, not just you know Australia. Right, right, right. And, like, like, like in general, like that seems to be you got Tom Hanks down there getting the COVID. Well, they've, they've got, a, got Johnny <laughs> Depp. Like, 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 what's 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 the magnet right there? They've got a big uh, movie industry. Um, oh. You know, so they have you know they have a lot of space. Um, they are fairly aggressive on subsidizing you know movie productions, and then you've got you know a fair number of local actors and and actresses who uh, and directors uh, down here who can you know they can pull some some folks and then once people get down here they're like huh you know people generally leave me alone and it's uh you know it's kind of like uh i, I kind of like it <laughs> my, my my celebrity uh my twitch celebrity has not uh, tainted my my life here i see i see so it's sort of like if you took uh toronto and and you kind of like mixed it with like uh west texas you yes. got a bunch of film stuff going on. People leave you alone. Lots of big yeah. space. Yeah. Right, right. That makes sense. You know, and, yeah. and and if you look around at like recent-ish movies, you've got, uh, you know, there there's the, you got Hugh Jackman, you've got Chris Hemsworth, you've got, uh, uh, you know, so like all those uh, Avengers movies, like half the people in those were Australian and mm -hmm. in New Zealand. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, you got yeah. the Lord of the Rings. That's like half of New Zealand's industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and then the uh, the uh, master and commander guy. He's is is he Australian or a New Zealand oh, guy? Oh, oh. I always get when, it mixed up. Well, I think he was born in New Zealand and moved to Australia. And so when they don't like him when he's doing stupid stuff, the Australians claim he's a Kiwi. I see. That yeah, makes you're talking about Russell Crowe here, right? Is this, is this that's a, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gladiator. <laughs> Gladiator. Yes. That's right. That's right. That guy. Huh. All right. All right. Well, so so speaking of New Relic. So, uh, as I was mentioning, I, I, I came across an article that was describing that they had open sourced, I think, their, their agent and, like, sort of aligned it with open telemetry. And it, and it made me realize that I have seen the phrase open telemetry, which is wonderfully camel-cased. I, I, I should ask our friend Charles Lowell if the, uh, the programming kids still camel-case things, if that, that occurs. Or if they've moved to, like, I don't know some sort of like forward slash quote with spaces, or maybe they're using like dollar signs. I don't know what people do anymore. Underscores, yes, always popular. Do you think the person who invented the underscore imagined it would be used as a way to uh, separate words when you didn't want to have spaces? <laughs> we can no. help so. And And the person who invented the number two thought someday people are going to shorten their text with this number. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so, so what is, uh, as always, Matt Ray, I'm looking to you. What is open telemetry? Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a standard of APIs. Um, it's a way to, like, tool up your code and, I guess, you know, your, your applications um, with a, a set of, of APIs and agents. So you standardize how you you send you know the information that you're generating to other sources um and then you know those other sources might be like prometheus uh jager um i'm kind of you know poking around on their their page so i can sound like i know what i'm talking about but uh um it's just a standardization around you know 
telemetry and telemetry is like how you gear up your application to spit out you know the right kinds of debugging information when it fails in a container and you can't log into it mm. right right you have to gather the uh the metrics the monitoring whatever may be happening the data yeah, yeah. as it were the, the data yes yeah and and so uh Okay, that makes sense. All right, so, I, I want to like maybe take it quite slightly different direction because I believe every conversation regarding a monitoring company at this moment has to be looked through the lens of Datadog. So Datadog, checked right before the show, now up to $27 billion in market cap. New Relic, Whoa. like approximately just over four. And then I saw a note from one of the, the analysts that's saying that New Relic looks like they're poised to have down earnings, right? So... Anytime I see these things and then I see someone launching open source, it's just it's just a red flag, right? It's it's like competitor doing extremely well, company potentially not doing poorly. Let's be clear. I don't think New Relic is doing poorly, but they're not growing at the rate of let's use the data dog as the yardstick. So when I read the whole open source announcement, it's one, I feel like the agent thing has been well covered ground. There have been numerous open source agents. I don't think I speak, for, I am breaking any news there. And most of the technology used by even proprietary agents uses a lot of open source code, right? SNMP, mm-hmm. you know, the whole list, the whole laundry list of all the different things there. So, I mean, so I just felt very, I did have to say, I felt very skeptical about the whole thing, right? It's like, well, New Relic's trying to, and I think we've been at companies, we've seen it, like we're going to try to juice earnings with this open store strategy around the agent. And it's like, I don't know, it just feels like if you're coming into it open source and the strategy this way with down earnings and making a lot of noise, I don't think we've seen many cases where this has worked out well for that company in the sense of really using that to turbocharge new earnings, right? It seems like it sort of distracts that company. So I don't know. When I look at it, it's like, sure, all four open source agents, I think there's a lot of that out there, but it doesn't feel like that's really what's driving New Relic here, uh, that they've suddenly gotten some religion. It's more like, hey, let's give this a shot because yeah. you know, this is the best strategy we can come up with. I mean, I, I don't think, I, I, like to, I like to hope that nobody on the business side cares about this, right? So, so the CEO, sales, this doesn't mean anything to them. Um, you know, they, they still have to go out and sell this stuff and, and convert things. Um, because at the end of the day, they're selling the SaaS experience, the, how the content gets to that SaaS, you know, they probably really don't care. And so some, someone at the product level probably said, well, I have to worry about our competition. What can I do to, you know, make us more defensible, perhaps get a greater intake of potential users? You know, and so if you adopt a standard that is, you know, it's a standard that existed before New Relic hopped on it and, you know, other people have been using it. Um, If you adopt that standard, you're opening another path to New Relic and you're preventing ground from, I don't know, like I said, like you like you said, it's, it's, there's not a lot that can happen at the agent side. You know, it's, it's well-tread ground, Um, but it's. It, it makes it more attractive when somebody says, well, how are we going to do it? Well, we'll use open telemetry. And by the way, we can just start using new relic from day one. Um, and don't have to, you know, Oh, now we don't have to set up Prometheus or, or, or what have you. Um, and so I, I, it's not a It is a business decision. If the stock market or whoever cares from quarter to quarter that you just open source something that seems kind of stupid, but you know, uh, if you don't have a lot else to talk about, you can put out a press release. <laughs> 
Well, I just want to like, here's, I'll just read you the, the July 30th press release, right? It's a uh, new relic. Delivers. Is, it the, is it the only press release they've had in a while? Right? No, they've had some, some other stuff around earnings, but just, I, I mean, I think it's always instructive it's like to take these, these, uh, take these apart. New relic delivers reimagined observability platform with unified user experience and simple, predictable pricing to help companies create more perfect software. I mean, I think that's honestly, that headline says a lot. And I think it's just, you know, like new user experience, predictability, simple, like, I don't know. Those are just, it's just a lot of adjectives in there. Right. And it's, I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't read as a position of strength, right. That it feels like, Hey, we're just, our product is maybe not where we want it. Like, I think what they're saying there is our product is not as simple as we want it to be at this point. We're seeing a lot of competitive pressure from some of the other, um, monitoring software uh, vendors out there and we do sense we're sensing a lot of competitive pressure right that's really what's going on so to just come out and say we've made it more simple we've made it more predictable pricing and things like that it's like it's not necessarily wrong there's nothing wrong about this but it's it's definitely not uh if you will coming from a position of strength right it definitely kind of says like the company i read it that the company's sort of struggling to with an older product and trying to figure out how to modernize it to make it more competitive going forward so that they can keep on that, you know, more competitive earnings platform. And that's not to say the product is bad. All products go through this, right? It's like New Relic is now, so, you know, it's funny. It's like, I always think of New Relic as being like one of the new vendors, but they've been around so long. They're kind of, you know, if you will, falling off a little bit. Now they're kind of, you know, in the older stack of it. So I think it's just a tough thing. And I think, and that's why that when I see the open source side of it, it just feels like, I don't know. I've seen this play out too many times that, oh, open source is going to somehow save us. And to your point, man, I hope, I hope the company isn't um, like really looking at this to drive new revenue. But my feeling is, you know, it's part of a, a strategy they're thinking about. Now, now I, I have not read, hopefully, you know, I hope she's still there, but I have not read the uh, Nancy Goring at 451 overview of this. So I, I uh, despite them being wonderful sponsors of the uh, the podcast here. I don't know the Datadog pricing model and how that all works out, but it does seem like uh, like like my my reading of it is that one of the major changes of New Relic is they moved to a pricing model that's basically per seat and they have a free tier, right? Like I mean that's like the the major business change that they've gone through in addition to open sourcing the agent and doing that, which which uh you know, like like you have, I think for the free tier, you have like 100 gigs of data, which seems generous. Now, you two worked in monitoring a lot longer than I did. Is 100 gigs, is that anything? Or is that sort of like one of these like uh, USB drives that I pick at a, up at a, a conference swag table? That's 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 home user level. Yeah. <laughs> home user level. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. I think so, the problem we always get into this is like as soon as people want to, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny to answer the question with the question. It's like, well, like. What kind of granularity do you want? You want to look at it every second, mm-hmm. every minute, and then you know people start to do this roll up thing, like oh, I'll roll it up to every minute or every five minutes, and you know what that data is? Useless. Doesn't really tell you anything. So I mean, right, so yeah. Right. So just to give you the data point, so the the telemetry data platform is priced at twenty five cents per gig of ingest, and so for a large enterprise, right? Okay. I mean, it's going to be that's good. You know, there's going to be a lot of data coming in. So so that's that's network traffic per hour. I think or, it's just tw- no, it's just twenty five, uh, twenty five yeah, cents per gig every time you send a gig of data. So, so, so that's storage basically. Like, like yeah, uh, that, that's, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's 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 how it gets recorded on on their server side, right? I it's see, like, I see. 
and 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 so in the in the large customers that you all experienced mm, <laughs> what what year is this 10 years ago <laughs> Today. like 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 right right but but when you're back at uh, a monitoring company oh yeah yeah like like how much was like how much was a big customer like how much data were you having to deal with Well, I mean, I think, you know, it depends on the granularity, but I know at both bound, boundary where we did a lot of this was, you know, it was, this was nothing, right? Because if you could crank up the the amount of uh, granularity you wanted and, you know, you could just have, you know, hundreds of gigs very quickly, right? And so that's why then people have to decide like, well, how long do you want to keep that data? And then, you know, it basically, and then the, the challenging mm -hmm. part, right, is always then for the service provider, it's, well, you're doing it for one customer and you feel like you're sending, you're taking a lot of data from one customer, but then suddenly you have hundreds, maybe thousands of customers sending you this amount of data all the time. And it becomes like a real challenge to like, okay, well, where are you going to store all the data? And then which data gets moved to like a more persistent uh, format over time. So, right, so yeah, right, so right. I mean, the net net is like, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, but it's not, it's no big deal to get into terabytes really, really fast here, right? It's not like that would be surprising yeah. at all. So that's all. And then that, of course, right. And every, always drives the, you know, when you, this granularity conversation always then drives back to, well, can I, you know, the customers will then start asking like, well, can I keep some of the data on premise or like, that's really expensive or I have an audit right, right, right. or I need it. So, um, so it makes sense. Like I get this gig. I mean, it's real easy to talk about. So that makes sense. Like I've seen this, you know, model used, I think it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, and I think, you know, the idea that they have the free tier, that's obviously an answer to Datadog and all the other SaaS platforms out there. So these moves are fine. I think that it, it, it makes sense. The price per seat, right? That's always going to get you in trouble because then suddenly people are going to start. That's in sending uh, sharing logins, which is always a whole nother problem. So I always think the price mm -hmm. per seat is kind of stupid, right? Just like, just make it gigs and give, make sure that people have more than enough seats to actually look at the data versus like, Hey, Kote, can you uh, slack me your login? Right. I mean, <laughs> or um, don't, don't hook it up to active directory because yeah. there's, you know, 15,000 people in there. Yeah. So that's just a classic to me. That's just a classic mistake, right? You're just sort of like the salespeople are in the room and everyone's arguing about how it should be priced. And, you know, it's just like the per seat is never the way to go. I think, you know, I know they, they're happy about moving away from the agents, but if you had to pick one or the other, I'd say, charge for the agent because you can at least control that whereas and and you can't really do anything without the agent this price per seat will always end up with shared logins and will always become an audit nightmare and a whole other set of problems so i yeah, hate when yeah, people yeah. do that yeah but, but but the agent conversation opens up the well what about short-lived stuff totally yeah, so what this about is why you just go back to yeah. like stand behind your model and be like we just we just do price per gig right that's the end of the conversation yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah don't yeah, that, don't do I'm any of this right. other crap then if you're gonna do it do it right. Don't then suddenly be like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, you got a We just hired another person. We just got another uh, SRE here. Yeah. Like, we have to go get him a license. And it's like, come on. That's just stupid. That's a stupid way to price yeah. a product. I mean, I, I've had questions mm. like, you know, do, do, uh, do, does every API token count as, as a user? I'm like, oh my God. Right. You know, and then you have people sharing API tokens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, totally. Right. Just, and you just, yeah. and you just said to them, like, hey, be secure. And, and gave them all these reasons about why the cloud's secure. And then you're just basically telling them, well, to do your job, I need you to be less secure. And it's just, it's just not, it doesn't make sense. But, but, and, and, but huh. the, the, the con of the per gigabyte model is then people start looking to thin the amount of data they're sending. Sure. Um, 
you know, I mean, every model has its downsides. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you just got to watch what you're actually pumping into these systems. And, uh, you know, and I guess the nice thing about having it open source is now you can go and fiddle with the agent to maybe do some client side filtering and add your own, you know. Right. Clients. Yep. Yeah. No, it definitely, I'm with you. I just think of all the ones though, like, because really what you're saying to the customer is like, Hey, we believe it's that 25 cents uh, per gig of data is a tremendous value to you. Like, like maybe every gig of data is really worth a dollar or something, you know, you can come up with something different. And so that's the, the value proposition you're putting out there is like, don't worry about it. Like, Hey, more data that you get in there, the better this thing's going to be. Um, and that's right. Yeah. I think you're trying to make that, that case. And if you can't make that case, if people really are coming to you and thinning out the agents and stuff, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying like, probably something is wrong there. Like the value of your but, product is not nearly as high as you think it should be. But if it's not a SaaS, how do you charge? Like, you know, if, if New Relic, I don't, I assume they have an on-prem thing. Um, you know, if, if they had an on-prem server, how do they charge? Well, then I think they'd be back to the agents, right? I mean, in that case, that, but yeah. it, it sounds like, uh, if then the SaaS, I think the SaaS, the data, I, I yeah, like the, the data ingest. I'm not like, yeah. I'm not, I, not knocking that. I'm just saying, make it easy. Just do that alone. And then, yeah, if you had the on-premise, right, then you are back to um, basically really size of database and agents, right? That's usually kind of how the way yeah. that you're trying to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, we'll keep calling it ingress, the <laughs> amount of data that you're storing. That, you know, you know. So, so to generalize, which is what I like to do when I don't know the actual uh, facts of a situation we're talking about, you know, the uh, the mystery of pricing, as you two were just going over, is like, what is the thing we're going to meter your pricing by? So by comparison, we're going on a trip here, hopefully, in, uh, this weekend, and I'm going to rent a car, as you do, the day before, because, you know, you don't want to, like, the day you're leaving, rent the car and pack it so you get it before. And parking here in Amsterdam is, like, I don't know, 35, 40 euros for 24 hours something absurd because they love the earth or whatever. And so I'm, you know, it's obvious when I pay my 35 euros, what I'm getting, I'm getting a parking spot for 24 hours. Right. Whereas like pricing enterprise software is what is the thing that I'm getting? Like what, how do I rate this? Like there's nothing to determine that. Like, of course the salesperson is going to want to tell me on the, uh, the outcomes that I achieve the business value, which is basically like, uh, I want to get a fractional, well, it might even be a single digit percentage cut of the revenue you make from this thing or the cost that you save from it, which I mean, as someone who uh, works at a vendor, that sounds great. I think, I think, what do they call that in, in, uh, the movies, uh, working on scale, I forget or not scale scale is the opposite, the union thing, but you want to get a, uh, points on the, the revenue or the profit. And so, that is like the mystery of software pricing is that if you're not just selling like a straight up license, right? Like I, I buy this thing, I get some like gigantic GUID with a bunch of hyphens in it that I enter into a, a window and then I can use the software. You've got to solve for something to charge for, which, which I think is difficult. And it seems like it almost seems like the amount of data that you store is philosophically acceptable yeah. because if, if, if I was a buyer, I would be like, I mean, you know, a dashboard, I could make that. 
right? So, <laughs> so, so like, and a bunch of you data, like my customers, <laughs> a, a bunch of a bunch of database queries that puts data into the dashboard. I got a person who can do that, yeah. and then and then and then you're like, uh, I got like, I don't know. Um, you know, what's the old Microsoft thing, SCOM, to like install some agents on machines. So I can do that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, machine learning, like whatever. I know how to do regexes. And, and then, and then <laughs> the basic, but, but then what you're really like is, you know what I can't do is like reliably store a whole bunch of data somewhere else that I don't have to manage and then do all of that analysis over that big chunk of data. So I'm willing to pay for the equivalent of going into Costco every 15 minutes and buying a hard drive. Like <laughs> I, I, I can put up with that. That's something I can understand God, that is, is worth me paying for. Right, but you gotta think but about this though. Think the one thing about it, like pricing ideally, right, it should be very close to the value that the person perceives right like not necessarily yeah, yeah, what you yeah. think but then two the harder part i think is about monitoring is like you also want to price around something that the person buying it will likely know right so we just had this conversation and you asked Gote, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah how many gigs yeah. and most people i i you know what you end up with is most of these companies have to create like some kind of calculator and you say to you and i have to ask you like how many applications, how many servers, how many agents, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And we just try to get away from pricing around agents. But this is why agent pricing well, is popular because you can typically can ask people how many sense. things there are. So, but then, there, of course, Matt, Matt will say here, I'm sure he was commenting before about how like, well, they come and go and things like that. So that may be hard. But like the per bandwidth pricing is always hard because most of the time nobody knows. And you have to like do more research to then figure out what it is. It's not like you can just quickly figure it out in your head, usually. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there are kind of two things that have popped into my mind from this. Like, the first is, so many times I've been sitting on a call where somebody's like, well, I could build my own dashboards and I could glue this stuff together. And I just want to be like, fine, I'm out of here. And just, you know, hang up on the sales call. But I guess that's not why I'm not in sales. Because uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? No, you are. You're in sales for Nagios. That is the Nagios sales pitch, right? Like you just heard it. It was like, okay, well, I, good luck with Nagios. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, when, when you saw your foot off. Yeah. yeah. And graphite and everything um, works. You know, call us back yeah, if you get yeah. tired of doing that. That's the only answer. Oh, my God. I, I mean, yeah, I had this customer. Nah, anyway customers am i right uh but the second thing <laughs> the second thing is if if you are you know if, if everyone understands this model of data ingress being costly on aws you know because you get that big bill and they're like you know network transit is this much or whatever would we expect to see more SaaSes move on to oracle um, because that seems to be their pitch, right? Is is our network transit cost is a lot lower than other folks? Mm. Mm. I mean, like right now, that's that seems to be the thing that they've used to differentiate themselves from. You know, it worked for Slack, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it worked for Slack. It seems like the last two weeks, Slack has been you know dog's breakfast. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, so so or was it Zoom? I get those two confused all the time. Um, anyway, whoever moved to Oracle, would you expect to see more it, SaaS? It was, like, it was Zoom moved to Oracle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So would you expect to see more SaaSes with this Ingress model move to, you know, the cheapest platforms they could um, because they're paying 
essentially they're paying for storage and data, mm. uh, storage and bandwidth. And you know everybody's going to be, hopefully, all the you know top five or six cloud players are going to have the global scale to take your content from wherever. But at that point, it's like, where's the cheapest place we can run our service? Well, certainly uh, monitoring companies. I do think monitoring, I know, I'm sorry, observability, as, as we're calling it today. Like, I do think th- <laughs> those businesses as a SaaS business now, having tried to do it a couple of times, like, I don't know if it's a dirty little secret, not great SaaS businesses because of all the data that we just talked about. Like, people think, like, even Netflix or, you know, uh, we're just talking about Slack, right? The amount of data that, those companies are, you know, kind of bringing out in comparison to like just what one big customer can do to like a new relic, you know, it's so different. So yeah, I, I think that's one thing about, you know, just about monitoring and And I think this is why this is constantly being reinvented, right? It's just like, everyone's trying to figure out how do we build a SaaS service that can take in terabytes upon terabytes of data every day for all these customers and still price it competitively and also offer you a pricing model that you understand. And it's even to this day, right? It's, it's still like, you know, we're, I don't know how many years we're into this 50 years into this monitoring uh, uh, thing. And we're still kind of talking about agents and bandwidth and, and, you know, user licenses and like we're in, and we're never really satisfied. Whereas other things do kind of get, I think they generally kind of find some steady state. Um, So it's just, I think it's just a very difficult problem. Yeah, I, th- I think you finally hit on it, Brandon. Why history keeps repeating itself is the uh, all problems in monitoring are based on this is a fuckload of data. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 like how you you keep like, moving like, my needles. Yeah, and, and like, reinventing like, haystacks. Yeah, so so the, the you've got at least three problems. One is just handling the sheer volume of it just like a database or whatever it is you're doing just dealing with it and then two is the let's call it the making sense of it right everyone's always like i have event fatigue and event overload and whatever and so like because because you have all this huge amount of data you've got to like figure out i do they still call it insights you need yeah. insights into it. And and then and then three is almost like three is like an outgrowth. I mean, these are all the same thing, but three is we have so much data, we should have less data, which is to say, like, like we need some way of like maybe it's 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 like metaphorically like a uh, top line versus bottom line revenue thing, like the amount of money you bring in versus the profit. Right. So like. I feel like a lot of the observability stuff is we're swimming in all of this data that's a bunch of shit and we need to find a way to find the good data in it. Yeah. So so like and the first step in that is to have these goddamn developers stop spewing out a bunch of like, you know, sewage and instead like have them focus on spewing out a bunch of helpful things to make their stuff observable Mm -hmm. and then we can start to gain insights about how to do it but all of these things basically are like you know costco doesn't have enough hard drives for us to buy every 15 minutes like it's just like and so in order to advance uh the state of monitoring in addition to just having like i don't know mobile apps and like you know better interfaces or whatever uh, like basically all you're doing is coming up with ways to deal with that huge amount of data at the, at the center of it. And that might be around 
it might be a brute force thing, which is to say pricing, right? Like, or it might be a brute force thing in the kind of like Google brute force, which is just like, I don't know, what if we throw 10,000 machines at it? Yep. Right. Which, yep. which is also a matter of pricing, right? Like you've got to bring the pricing of that compute down low enough that you can actually do it. Or it's basically pricing. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe there might be innovation where suddenly, like for some reason you have a, um, what's the, uh, you've got some sort of storage singularity where like storage is, uh, what do they say in your, uh, your tedious science fiction uh, books, Matt Ray? It's holographic or something like <laughs> somehow there's there's... (laughs) that's actually a category at the library i'm uh do you have a shelf of tedious science fiction books by matt ray or recommended by matt ray yeah yeah but that that's good i i I think i think we've we finally come to something is uh monitoring is all about handling an endless amount of data and uh and and by handling it's not only making sense of it but making it um affordable is the wrong word well, well, I don't know. Making it affordable. I don't think manageable. It, that's the other thing. And I think that's why when you look at the monitoring landscape, like you have so many products that basically are just trying to look at the data and do something slightly different. Like you can make the argument, PagerDuty, which is a several billion dollar company, all they are trying to do is basically give the person on call a little bit more control about when they get woken up, right? Like, because it's not that they don't want the monitoring data. They want all of it there when they need to look at it. But then they need to really tweak when it is I want to be woken up, right? And that's just one example example of all these companies kind of looking at this data just slightly different, and they're just an endless amount of use cases inside of all of it. Yeah, yeah. Huh, that's good. I, I, I think maybe we should plan some future episodes. Maybe we, we need to get some pricing people and find all the categories of the thrilling world of enterprise infrastructure software <laughs> now, we look now at. You're talking, you're talking about bringing this, the Twitch viewers. I mean, don't oversell that one. <laughs> we, 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 like, we, I was going to watch some Minecraft. My yelling, gosh, but, ooh, like, geez, geez, we just lost. Everyone just went to Minecraft. There we go. We, there we've go. Gotta, there we've, go all the we've, viewers. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got to crack the pricing constraints of every single category. <laughs> we're just going to, we're just going to go to like, like for example, and I'm not going to go down this cause I don't know, but wait, like when it comes to software defined networking, there must be some sort of like singular pricing constraint. The, the, like, uh, what, what, what is the thing in physics? You're always after like the, unified theory, uh, grand unified theory. Yeah. The, yeah, there you go. There, there, there's some unified theory of pricing for every single category of like, this is the one thing that drives pricing. Oh my gosh. Jeez. That would, yes. They're like entire, entire books, economics books written just on that topic. I don't, I don't think yeah. I figured it out. But I like yeah. it. Huh. That's good. Well, we have definitely exhausted this, this, uh, this area here. I think we've solved w- without, with knowing very little about what's happening over at New Relic. I, th- I think we've uh, sorted out. Now, I do have a follow-on question because I was writing up my uh, early in the morning when it, when I have thoughts uh, versus I'm just trying to like get through the day and finally get to sleep. Like I, I was reading that news and I was thinking, you know, like uh, the strategies of open sourcing or this, that, and the other. And this is this is a great thing. You open source an agent and it allows you to sort of like uh, gamble is the wrong word. It, it it allows you to take an active role in defining the market you're working in, which you know you can look at the show notes at. Uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 249. And you can see a link uh, to my sort of write-up of that. Uh, but I, I, I think what it, uh, what it amounts down to is, so like open sourcing that like an agent, like it reminded me of 
like Nagios. You remember Nagios? And then there was also Open NMS. Yep. Now, hopefully this will be brief because we got to wrap up so that Matt Ray can like take his kids to school or whatever. Uh, but like, are those two things still around? Do people use those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, are, I mean, are, are they are they still a thorn in the side of trying to like pay your mortgage or have they evolved to some sort of like virtuous uh, thing? Well, I mean, they're they're still um, successful in the fact that, you know, they um, the open NMS guys have a, a stable, thriving business. I mean, you know, they're not uh, I, I, I don't suspect they're IPOing, but uh, I remember reading up on uh, the old uh, Taurus. A while back and you know he was still gung-ho and saying everything was going great and they had uh you know a fairly large you know i don't know maybe 15 people or something like that and you know a healthy open source pure open source business and you know nagios i run into it every day yeah, right it's of course. It's, yeah it's, it's, it's it is the, number the first one thing people grab in the world yeah. it continues to dominate yeah. the market there's no doubt about it and, and, and huh. it's not yeah it i mean it's it's that's why they call things the Nagios of whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like the Nagios of CICD, the Nagios of of you know whatever it may be. Um, I mean, all right, well, know, so- well, 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 that's good to hear. As as with all sentences where I use the word should, it'll never happen. But uh, we we should get Ethan there and Taurus like on an interview. It'd be fun to like. I remember I used to talk with Taurus frequently and. Uh, It'd be fun to see what's going on with him. What was it? The uh, the green polo shirts that he had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The order of the green polos. That 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 is like that dude was always interesting because he was like, he was almost like, like the business version of the GPL. He was very like. <laughs> he was very. Yes. He's very Cory Doctorow, and yet he's also well. No, no, no. He 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 is like. In the GPL world, he's kind of like the Cory Doctorow equivalent, right? Whereas, like, some of Cory Doctorow's arguments amount to, I make more money doing this. And some of his arguments are like, you know, it's the right thing to do, right? Yeah, and I, th- yeah. I think I think Taurus was, like, in, in that same area where he's just like, this is the right thing to do, and it's also a good business. And He, uh, he, he, had, he had good hygiene, and he knew when to uh, not say crazy stuff. Um, yes, yeah, that's good. <laughs> he he he's the uh, as Brandon suggested last time. He needs to uh, his company should be in the corporate bond uh, exchange. <laughs> as yeah. as as I remember, well, I, I would. Uh, so so there's as always there are several news items uh, that we skipped over uh, that that you can read up on. There was uh, there was a good article uh, from Alex Williams over at the New Stack where he's kind of summarizing. He kind of, you know, as as many of us did, he took the uh, the, the trademark stuff of um, whatever uh, the non Google Google thing was around Istio and the uh, the other two things, which I can't remember now, and sort of used it as a launching off point to kind of muse, as it were, about uh, Kubernetes and uh, Google's commercial stance to it, and so forth and so on, which which was yeah. nice. So uh, like there's a there's a link it. to that that you can read at it. It was a uh, you know. You know, Alex doesn't write as much as he should because he's running that whole thing over there. And frankly, uh, if I was as successful as he was, I wouldn't do any work either. Uh, I would just sort of like lounge back and do the interviews that he does. He, a lot of good work over there at the news stack. But you should check that out. But uh, also, if you go to uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 249, you can uh, see the rest of that. So, you know, 
we have we have as always there's some conferences coming up now i have been remiss in mentioning that we have uh, over here in uh, vmware tanzu pivotal vmware land we have spring one platform coming up september 2nd and 3rd it's all free because you know things are only online nowadays uh so you can tune into it now i have uh, spent a lot of time curating the agile leadership track which i think i think is a, a pretty good uh title i've tried to make sure that we have a lot of like uh customer case studies and actual tactics that you can do. Um, so hopefully it'll be nice, but you should go check that out over at uh, springone.io and uh, register for that. Now also, as I like to mention frequently, the place that I can no longer take a eight to 10 minute bike ride to at the REI here in Amsterdam, which would be great. There's a uh, KubeCon and CloudNativeCon coming up uh, August 17th to 20th. I'm gonna be on vacation uh, so I'll have to watch the recordings of it. Thankfully, my talk was not accepted, so I don't have to present, uh, which is fantastic for me relaxing. And then also there's a GitLab commit coming up on August 26th. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking, what is even happening in September and October? Do those, <laughs> do those months exist? Well, it's going to be a sad Halloween. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man! Oh man! Bring it no one down. has written that article. Oh, oh. sorry. Too soon. Too oh, soon. Man. Okay. Um, uh, well, Brandon and I are going to cry because football season is going to be canceled. Yeah. Oh. Or postponed. Postponed. Be very sad. Very sad. Yeah. I mean, they're all the like shuffling of deck chairs right now. It's like, just guys, it's not happening. You know. Um, that's that's going to be interesting let, 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 let's let's do a little uh kote doesn't know anything about the sports ball i mean oh, I, know that, I, I i know that's a tried metaphor but what is the state of the covid politics in american sports all right because because i gotta imagine jerry jones is like uh like he doesn't really know what i mean i mean i don't know anything about him except that he's a you know the the dallas cowboys guy so that it makes lets me infer a lot of things but like He's got to be feeling like, I don't know which side to play this on. Like, how does this pan out? Like, he could go any direction. And so I have to imagine that whole thing fans out to the rest of American sports. Oh, it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so so it's 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 kind of a fascinating experiment because it is it is it is the most like capitalism versus COVID thing happening. Yeah. Right. right? So you, you've got the NBA. They're like, all right. Our people are the number of people we have are small enough that we can literally put them in a bubble, you know. So they yeah, they they, yeah. they brought all the teams or not all the teams, only the good enough teams. Yeah, twenty two teams and <laughs> twenty two teams. They brought them to Disney World, you know, put them in a bubble, lots of testing and isolation. They're not allowed to go anywhere, and you know, obviously the players are like, I'm getting paid, but I can't see my wife, <laughs> and I'm not getting to go on the road. So really, I'm just my hotel room and basketball, right? It's That's like a mission have. to Mars is basically what absolutely, they're on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like biodome three, the NBA. Uh -huh. And, and, and so, you know, that model is kind of working. I think, uh, is today the first day of the season? Yeah, Thursday, Whatever. Today is the kickoff of the new NBA of the resumed NBA season. And so yeah, far, see, so we're, working we're, we're well. topical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have like, uh, baseball, baseball Not has well. Not going well. larger teams uh -huh. and uh -huh. trying to go on the road. And they opened their season, and immediately one team, like 90% of the players tested positive. They had to just, like, cancel all their games, and now they're like... That'd be the well, Miami Marlins. Know. Marlins, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they lost, not 90%, not but about just over 50% of the team tested positive. 
And now yeah. it's spread to well, some of the other teams. So definitely, yeah. hey, if you're looking for uh, quarantine ideas, Major League Baseball, not not a thought leader there. They're filling. Not not good. You know, and then and then like the biggest moneymaker, <laughs> football. You know the the National Football League. They have the largest teams also, you know, 55 players, tons of support staff, a lot of old coaches, you know, they're like, how are we going to do this? You know, it's just, obviously this, this thing does not scale up. Golf, oh, old golf coaches. Works. That's yeah, tough. Golf, golf works, right? You got one yeah, dude in yeah, a caddy, yeah. you know, socially distanced out in the grass. That's going to work forever. Right. Yeah. Tennis. Maybe, maybe even yeah. tennis. Yeah. <laughs> tennis, <laughs> tennis. Yeah, you had the, NASCAR. The NASCAR's back. doing well. It's been good. NASCAR's doing okay. Very socially yeah. distant sport there, mostly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you huh. know, uh, but uh, but then when it you know it comes to football, like makes a ton of money for the NFL. But then you have at the lower levels, right? You have college, where you know our our, our foreign listeners are probably like, wait, college makes a lot of money. College sports, college football especially, makes a ton of money for like. 20 schools and then like a hundred of them play it, you know? And so all the small schools, they play the big schools to get paid so they can pay for their sports programs. It's confusing and kind of sad, but whatever. Uh, I'm a fan. Um, but so you have schools like Texas and Alabama and others, you know, who they make a ton of money from their sports, but they need to bring in a hundred thousand people <laughs> and put, you know, 85 players on the field and, yeah. you know, it's so all the small schools are preemptively canceling things because they can't even pay for tests. Uh, and so, like, the competition is drying up, you know, and so you're going to be left with, you know, the 10, you know, 20, 30 schools who can afford to put on a program and test their players. And they're already having, you know, 15 players test positive. It's uh, it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, can, can I. Can I. Can I just make a statement on the record for the hearing here, and then we can move on to recommendations, which is... <laughs> Let the record I, show. I, I, I hear all of these things about opening up the economy, and, and like, uh, the only reason there's more, more cases is because we're doing more tests. And, and I feel like there's this disconnect between, like, I know I've said this before, but, like, so, like, but people could die versus, like, I can buy a hot dog at a baseball game. And and like there there's some dissonance, like like it, as always. Like I think last week I was uh, slightly ranting or or some time ago about how like I wish people would just like say what they mean instead of being all you know, wrapping in some mantle of mantle of virtuousness about stuff. Like you know just like I I don't want other people to make money off of this. Case closed. That would be exciting too. But it's just sort of like. But basically what you're saying is like you don't believe this thing is dangerous and so therefore we should do nothing about it. Like it's very like there's there's a cognitive confusion to me. And so it seems like, yeah, I mean, like if your concern is that the old coach is going to die because like you are on the uh, do people sit to still say gridiron? Yeah. Yeah. Then like, <laughs> I don't know. You either think that like, uh, I don't know. What's his name? Vince Lombardi is going to die or not? Like it's just sort of like pretty black and white, and you gotta you gotta sort that out. Or the guy with the hat. Who is the guy with the uh, the pot pie hat on, with the Cowboys? Uh, Tom Landry. Yeah, Tom Landry. I saw a lot of him in the '80s when my dad me forced me to watch football. <laughs> he see, he seems so serious. Was that guy cool? I won. He won a lot of games for the Cowboys in his day. So 
I don't yeah. know. Cool. Yeah. I don't know if people would say he's cool. I think they would say he was stoic. Stoic. Cool. Was Tom Landry cool? <laughs> he's a rather re- regular Marcus Aurelius, apparently. Let's see. See what his. <laughs> All right. Well, do we do, before we get to recommendations, Brandon? Do we have any uh, software defined talk bu- bureaucratic moments stuff to go over? Any feedback? What's going on? Uh. Well, first, I just want to thank the uh, all the listeners who made it into this far into the stream. So, hey, if you're just first time you've ever listened to us, we're on uh, Twitch. You should uh, follow us. I'll put the link here in the show notes, but it's uh, SDT Podcast. Looks like we got up to 11 viewers today. So thanks for the super mm-hmm. fans for hanging in there. Also want to thank Nir from Israel. He sent me a note. Uh, they really enjoys the show, and so I sent him some stickers. And if you would like some stickers, this is what you got to do. Just send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to mail you as many laptop stickers as you want anywhere in the world. So definitely send me an email. So uh, with that, Matt Ray, what yes. are your recommendations or recommendation this week? I don't want to foist a lot of work on you. What do you have to recommend? Uh, I, I have negative recommendations this week. Um, so... Uh, I, I don't write a lot of Amazon reviews, but I, I was uh, <laughs> um, I, I had to because uh, I I was I bought myself a new, another SSD. I've got you know my fleet of laptops here. I'm always upgrading them. Um, Matt Ray, are you so, writing your own new relic? Is that sort of, is, is that what's <laughs> happening there over there? You know, I'd probably be smart enough to do it with containers rather than hardware, yeah. but you know, oh, whatever. Oh, shots fired. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I bought, I, I changed up brands on my SSDs and I bought myself a, uh, a Sabrent. Um, and two days after the, the, the return policy expired, it dies. Oof. I mean, come on people. Uh, so, so that's yeah. my, my recommendation is don't buy the Sabrent, stick with the AO data. That, that <laughs> and then my other anti-recommendation is Cisco WebEx. <sighs> I haven't used that thing in forever. I, I tried to use the web version so I wouldn't have to install the agent. Uh, you know, that would, didn't work. So, you know, I spent the first three or four minutes not being on the call. And then I finally downloaded the agent, installed it. And everything's going hunky-dory. The call was, it was fine. You know, I couldn't figure out any of the controls, but whatever. It worked. Um, and then I rebooted my laptop, you know, for the show. So I had a nice, pristine computing environment. You know what the first application that comes up when my new laptop starts up? Cisco WebEx. They're like, you know what? You're going to use this application every single time you use your computer from now on because yeah. you used it once in the last three years. So here you go. Um, so, As they say, welcome to WebEx. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it was a little presumptuous. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. That is a bummer. When someone installs a uh, a login item for you, it's just so rude. So rude. So, so rude. You, you know what I would like is a recommendation for a uh, external hard drive that I could buy that doesn't die. Because I, w- I was just underneath my desk fiddling around, and uh, I saw these two external hard drives I had, and, like, they don't work, right? Like, <laughs> I, they I, plugged I, in? Well, <laughs> They've just been sitting behind your computer for years? And, and with, within the last year, I bought some sort of Western Digital Tower hard drive, and, and, like, I don't know, I might as well just sort of, like, you know, go outside on a windy day and just sort of, like, you know and like determine like determine like which cobblestone my my pee ends up on in the amsterdam wind 
will determine if the hard drive works or not, right? Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll plug it into my Mac and like who knows? Like it makes noise and a Same. light comes on. And so I I just need to know like which hard drive do I purchase that will work for? I'll be generous. Three years. I want three years. Okay. That's all I need. Here, here here's a call out to sponsors. Sponsor us for any of the backup systems and we'll start using you. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. All right, how about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? Well, I don't know. I got to take some follow-ups. I'm just, I'm gonna try to be a little bit more positive here. I, I had uh, on the backup. I got a Synology where you just like jam these like drives in it, and it seems to work fine. I'm pretty actually pretty happy with it. And then of course it's all like you can set it up with RAID and stuff like that. So it is a little bit more expensive, but once you made the leap, I'm like, I think it generally works. So I, I don't know. Maybe give that a shot. Now that's obviously not okay. One. That's what it, that that's what everyone mentions. Yeah, and, and it's uh, not to, it's not yeah, gonna help okay. the Matt Ray. You're not gonna put that in your laptop. But uh, if you want, I don't know. But I guess it is another computer by technically. So I don't know if that's what you want. But I will feel like it's it's been good. It's uh, it's been helpful. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing is I just buy lots of hard drives. I just have them laying around connected to, uh, <laughs> to a variety of different uh, Apple yeah, routers, yeah. and I just back up everything. So, um, yeah. uh, but this week I want to uh, I'm actually going to recommend Audio Hijack because uh, so first of all, thanks to uh, listener Brian. He recommended, he asked us to uh, try to put this on Twitch. That was his uh, preferred podcast platform. So I think we're always up for another social media platform. You know, TikTok is coming soon enough. But uh, uh, Audio Hijack made it remarkably easy. I think it's actually working. I see some people actually communicating. So Audio Hijack, I will say, upon when I first got it, I did find it confusing. And it's like everything else, Mm. once you get over the learning curve, pretty powerful. You can do lots of good stuff. So Thank you to Audio Hijack for making our Twitch dreams come true. Yeah, that is a good app. I like that one. Well, my my recommendation is not so much a thing, more of a concept. And I, I, I was talking with Matt Ray this morning, or was it yesterday morning? I don't remember. It's all blurred together. And uh, time time is a circle. <laughs> as as uh, that's right, that's right. As as they used to say decades ago he hit me to this idea that the australians don't know how to use apostrophes and so it was a uh, you know it was a, it was a delightful concept and there were lots of examples he sent of how apostrophes are just sort of like it's almost like i don't know there's an s at the end of the word so let's use cote's piss on the cobblestone method and maybe we'll throw an apostrophe in there you know there's there, there, there all three sorts of delightful in that sentence you just said <laughs> <laughs> cobblestones this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. But it it is it is uh you know, I like words and punctuation and uh, language and I I am on the far opposite end of thinking that's bad when you misuse an apostrophe as <clears throat> frequently as it appears the Australian culture does and I think that's wonderful. I think I think it's great experimentation. You just play around with it. It's 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 just like you're just having fun. You're like in a big foam party, but it's full of apostrophes instead of fun, fu- uh, foam. So I like it. It, it, it. It's it's 8 a.m. the day after the foam party with apostrophes here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to stick them in the dishwasher. We we had someone clean out our uh, our pump. You know, in Amsterdam, as I'm sure in other places, you're below ground, so you need a pump uh, to pump up your stuff, your your sewage water up to the street level. And uh, someone came and checked it out, and and the the pump lady, no shit, she uh, she pulled out this bag and she was like, "You're using too much soap," oh. and she showed oh, us yeah. 
this like soap residue in the pump. And, you know, I was talking with Kim about it and we were both kind of like the equivalent of like, I mean, I understand what those words are because the Dutch <laughs> speak perfect English, but I have no idea what to do with that. This yeah, is not like, this, this is not actionable. Like use less soap. I don't. That's huh. not happening. Yeah, I don't really know what to do. And but she did say one thing that was very interesting. She said that when you put your dishes in the dishwasher, you don't want to clean them too well because then the soap that you put in doesn't have a chance to like work and it clogs up the pump. And that is a mystery that I leave as an exercise for the listener to sort out what the fuck that means. Because that is, I have no idea. So with that, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get uh, the show notes for this episode, join our Slack channel, get a link to whatever you want. You go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 249. Now next week, we might take next week off. We haven't decided, but I have an interview queued up that I think is going to be uh, fantastic because I just did it, if you're into the uh, digital transformation, or just like getting people to do better software stuff. And there actually is some talk about Nietzsche in it uh, towards the end. So you might oh, enjoy that as well. Everybody loves some Nietzsche. I'm, I mean, of course. I, I, and and uh, it was with an actual German who, uh, lit, who, who was born in a town uh, where Nietzsche spent, as she said, a significant amount of time. And so I'll give you a little preview. She said, when you go to high school and grow up in a town that was a major source of nihilism things are very interesting so i think i think that's what you had to look forward to uh, next week and with that we'll see everyone next time bye bye bye